Imagine a world where innovation knows no bounds. At BAE Systems Fast Labs, we're pioneering advanced technology and defense research, shaping the future of safety and security. Explore our website to uncover a realm of cutting-edge projects, collaborations, and visionary thinkers. Whether you're a tech enthusiast, a defender of freedom, or just curious, Fast Labs is where groundbreaking solutions are born. Join us and be part of the future today. Visit www.baesystems.com slash fastlabs. Welcome to From the Crow's Nest, a podcast on electromagnetic spectrum operations, or EMSO. I'm your host, Ken Miller, Director of Advocacy and Outreach for the Association of Old Crows. Thanks for listening. In today's episode, I sit down with Brigadier General Darren Lulla. He is the Deputy Director of the Electromagnetic Spectrum Operations Cross-Functional Team and Deputy Director for Electromagnetic Spectrum Operations and Space Requirements Joint Staff J8. Before I get to him, I want to remind you that the AOC's 58th Annual International Symposium and Convention is just around the corner, uh, November 30th to December 2nd, here in Washington, D.C. at the D.C. Convention Center. The theme is All Domain Operations Integrating Effects Across the Spectrum. In our last episode, I had retired Air Force Colonel Hook Pryor on the show. He is our convention chair. Uh, He shares some of his thoughts about what the sessions are going to cover across all the topics that influence all domain operations. So if you have a few extra minutes, I encourage you to go back to that episode and listen to it. Some good content on what to expect at the show, but we hope to see you there. And as I've uh, talked about before, the From the Crow's Nest podcast is going to be there too. We're going to interview a lot of the speakers and we're going to be releasing several episodes a day. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast, uh, follow it and have everything set for automatic downloads so that you get all the episodes and you don't miss any of the interviews. To learn more about the upcoming event, go to crows.org slash 2021home, H-O-M-E, for more information to register. And we hope to see you there in a few weeks. Now, I want to welcome my guest, Brigadier General Darren Lulla. Again, he is the Deputy Director of the Electromagnetic Spectrum Operations Cross-Functional Team, or the EMSO-CFT. Uh, He is also Deputy Director of Electromagnetic Spectrum Operations and Space Requirements, uh, Joint Staff J8. J8, of course, uh, deals with force structure and resources on Joint Staff. Uh, So if you're in the EMSO community, you'll know that the EMSO CFT, established by Congress a few years ago, has been focusing on developing a new Electromagnetic Spectrum Operations superiority strategy, which was formally released last year, and a comprehensive implementation plan that is now going into effect across the department. So this strategy and implementation plan, of course, continues a multi-year effort by DOD, uh, military services, Congress, stakeholders uh, everywhere, to address these persistent gaps in electromagnetics warfare and EMSO capabilities. So I wanted to have uh, General Lala on the podcast today to talk a little bit about where we're at on EMSO, uh, where the I-Plan is going to be taking us. Um, and to kind of set the stage for, quite frankly, regular conversations that we're going to need to have on the EMSO community about how we implement this strategy effectively in the years to come. General Lala, it's uh, great to have you on From the Crow's Nest. Thanks for joining me. Very good. Well, well, thank you for the introduction, Ken, and uh, thanks for inviting me to join you on today's podcast. All right. So I just want to dive right in. You know, we have the EMS superiority strategy and implementation plan. It's a significant step forward. But certainly there's a lot of challenges ahead of us in this as as we try to address culture, processes, concept of operations, and so forth. So basically to start, I was wondering if you could help kind of bring us up to speed on EMSO. 
where it has been in the past, where are we today, and what do we have to look forward to moving into the future? You and this audience appreciate more than most people the centrality that EMS has in our daily lives and for our military allies and partners to achieve mission success. The department has gone through a significant shift on EMSO over the last few years, and I'd like to outline for you where we were, where we are now, and where we're going. In the past, DOD EMS efforts were disjointed, unsynchronized, and stovepiped. DOD had three core root challenges requiring cultural and structural changes within the services, OSD, the joint staff, and the combatant commands. Governance was independent, processes were segregated by service, and EMS prioritization was treated as a warfighting enabler, not as a warfighting capability. Over the past several years, we've seen multiple studies affirming the need to prioritize EMS issues and do better. In response to this and to congressional direction, the Secretary established the EMSO CFT with the Vice Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff as the senior designated official two years ago to take bold action across the DOD to regain U.S. dominance in the electromagnetic spectrum. Last year, the CFT led the drafting and coordination and the Secretary signed the Electromagnetic Spectrum Superiority Strategy. The strategy's vision is freedom of action in the, in the EMS at the time, place, and parameters of our choosing, and having the ability to, to deny this to our adversaries in a conflict. Additionally, the Joint Staff published Joint Pub 3TAC-85 on Joint Electromagnetic Spectrum Operations, or GEMS. The impact was combining electromagnetic warfare and spectrum management into one strategy and doctrine for the first time. This created a fires and maneuvers approach to EMSO. EMSO being all coordinated military actions to exploit, attack, protect, and manage the electromagnetic environment. At present, we're working to normalize EMSO for DOD, both in structural and cultural changes. This means pulling EMSO activities out of stovepipes and approaching it holistically, as well as prioritizing EMSO into existing department processes. To accomplish this, the CFT also led the drafting and coordination, and the Secretary signed, the EMS Superiority Strategies Implementation Plan, or I-Plan, in July of this year. The impact was a new integrated DOD-wide EMS enterprise approach to fight stovepipes and achieve EMS superiority. The I-Plan is driving doctrine, organization, training, material solutions, logistics, personnel, facilities, and policy, or DOTMIL PFP changes. The I-Plan is the tool for these changes to bring the strategy's vision to fruition and achieve capability overmatch for strategic advantage in this era of strategic competition. Because the MS superiority underwrites joint warfighting concepts and multi-domain operations, it involves and affects OSD, joint staff, the services, and combatant commands, and they all have an important role in the I-Plan. A lot of people have asked me about the DOD releasing the I-Plan, but because it's classified, I won't go into details other than to note a few high-level aspects. First, the I-Plan is the Secretary's authoritative tasking to every DOD organization with an EMS stake. No one can fix this challenge alone. If that were the case, we never would have needed the CFT to force change. Second, the I-Plan directs oversight and governance. The Vice Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is the senior designated official, but the Secretary recently determined that the DOD CIO is best positioned and resourced to execute long-term I-Plan oversight. 
CIO will, will assume iPlan oversight in the fall of this year. Third, the iPlan outlines a framework to drive EMS investments prioritization through the development of an EMS Enterprise Capability Planning Guidance, or CPG. Finally, the iPlan identified EMS Enterprise workforce development and sustainment requirements. The EMSO CFT recently finished an EMS workforce study where we found gaps in EMS expertise and provided recommendations to prioritize total force EMS readiness. In the future, successful iPlan execution will result in EMS enterprise normalization in the DOD. The totality of these efforts and their strategic impact across the EMSO portfolio to include technology, infrastructure, readiness, workforce, partnerships, and governance will shape the future of DOD. Done correctly, this new approach will result in an enduring EMS enterprise with integrated governance. Holistic processes across DOD and EMS prioritization as a warfighting capability. Thank you for the, the, the good summary, uh, General Lillo. We've been involved in this for a number of years, and, and, and there's been this evolution that's taken us to this point. Um, and it really kind of basically started about seven years ago, really intensely within OSD, when then uh, Deputy Secretary Work, you know, mentioned the third offset strategy, and he created out of there the electromagnetic or the electronic warfare XCOM. And then that started up this, the, they released a strategy in 2017 and then tried to take a few steps before Congress stepped back in to create the EMSO CFT. So, and it was a bit of a new effort to attack the problem. And so I was wondering if we could go back a little bit to something you said earlier with the creation of the EMSO CFT in this process of writing this document. How is the EMSO CFT f- created? How does it function? You have the services represented. You have, you have a lot of subject matter experts. How do they inform the leadership about what DOD needs to do to uh, address some of these gaps? The, uh, the EMSO CFT was created in February of 2019 as a result of the 2019 National Defense Authorization Act by then uh, Acting Secretary Shanahan. And his tasker to us was to regain U.S. dominance in the electromagnetic spectrum. The primary mechanism that the CFT is using to accomplish this, this department-wide task is through a secretary-level strategy and implementation plan. So to that end, uh, the CFT led the drafting, coordination, and staffing of the 2020 DOD EMS strategy, as you know, and the corresponding 2021 implementation plan, or I-plan. And we worked with uh, over 150 ex- subject matter experts throughout the department to incorporate their different perspectives and we use, you know, traditional processes to get the secretary's signature. Now to the, the question of, about uh, the different members of the CFT, I consistently encourage all of the members of the CFT, because I don't have any uh, what I would call permanent staff, permanent billets. They are all assigned uh, to the CFT by virtue of the, of the establishing memo uh, by the secretary. So uh, I work with uh, the various components to get members for the CFT. And, uh, and I encourage those members to stay connected with their parent organizations so that that's really one of the strengths of the CFT is the ability to have that reach back to all the components in the, in the DOD and provide that, that department-wide uh, perspective. And, and then, you know, with the, the EWXCOM, of course, that's in uh, ANS and, and in the Office of Secretary of Defense. And so how, how do you work with that body, which also, you know, obviously is a very important part of this broader effort to address EMSO capability. How do you work with them? And then kind of related to that, obviously, in, in the congressional law that you cited, there's, there, there were a number of CFTs created, and there have been over the last few years. 
you know, there's the uh, JADC2 CFT and there's a, a number of other cross-function teams. How do you work with those? And, and, and is there a regular interface? Because you can't talk about EMSO without talking about some of these other missions. They, they all are related. Yeah. Okay. So I'll take those, uh, those in order. So the CFT, as I mentioned, is a secretary-created organization in OSD with the vice chairman and as, a, as the senior designated official. We have staff from across the department, whereas the EWXCOM is an advisory board uh, that is the uh, principal forum within DOD to inform, coordinate, and evaluate EW matters uh, to maintain a strong technological advantage in the U.S. capabilities. It has two co-chairs, the vice chairman and the undersecretary for acquisition sustainment. Those are the, the two co-chairs for the EWXCOM. One of their focuses is on investments to ensure that DOD is properly coordinated in our EW investments and EMSO investments. I attend the, EW, the EWXCOM uh, regularly and its lower level board, the EWCT, to ensure that we're synchronized. Now turning to the, the second half of the question, which was about the, the various other CFTs. Since the, CF, the EMSO CFT was established, DS, DOD, as you mentioned, created a number of other CFTs to prioritize those cross-cutting issues like EMS, uh, which which is one of the, the benefits of the CFTs is, is kind of looking at those cross-cutting issues. The EMS is kind of fundamental in that it's an important enabler, enabler for all of them. And the EMSO CFT works with, uh, such as the JADC2 CFT or others closely, uh, coordinating our approaches, our strategies, and our I plans to ensure that we're, uh, we're aligned. And I attend regularly uh, other CFT uh, senior steering groups to ensure uh, synchronization. Hello, everyone. I want to take a short break to thank BAE Systems Fast Labs for their continued support for our From the Crow's Nest podcast. I am pleased to be here today with Bill Watson, Chief Scientist at BAE Systems Fast Labs. Bill, it's great to be here with you. Now, BAE Systems Fast Labs is BAE Systems Research and Development and Production Organization. Can you tell us a little bit about Fast Labs as well as your background? Yes, and thank you for having me. A BAE Systems Fast Labs is dedicated to innovating disruptive next-generation solutions for the critical defense and intelligence challenges. Of course, electronic warfare is one of our key focus areas, but in addition to that, we also do research in autonomy and AI, sensing and response, advanced microelectronics, communications, and navigation. I've been working in the RF, that is radio frequency research community for over 20 years, a short time in the United States Air Force, followed by specific research and development. My work in the last 20 years has been singularly focused on DARPA research and within the last 10 years at BAE Systems Fast Labs specifically. Technology we work on spans sensor processing through high-level sense-making up to tactical and operational-level autonomy and decision-making support. And one of the key differentiators about BAE Fast Labs is the research that we do uh, is intended to find its way to benefit the warfighter. This has been an important topic through many of our recent episodes here on From the Crow's Nest. Can you talk a little bit more about that technology? And for our audience, how does it change or affect our EW capabilities that we're trying to field? In our work with leading uh, DoD customers like DARPA or AFRL, we focus on developing technologies that will uh, advance future solutions from overcoming today's challenges to developing technologies never before thought to be possible. We then transition our technology to feelable products benefit our warfighters through partnership with BA Systems Electronic Systems product lines. As a specific example, I thought I'd use a movie you may or may not be familiar with. It was called Battle 
Los Angeles. It was from 2011. And in that movie, aliens that had invaded and what the characters in the movie found is that whenever they keyed their microphones on their radios, they could be easily geolocated and targeted. What the movie presented as science fiction for us is in fact, science fact. This is the type of technology that we work on and exist today where the physics meets the real world. This sounds like absolutely fascinating work. What is the next area that you see for research and development? And if anyone is interested in learning more, how can they reach out to you? Well, we can't say too much because of the sensitivity of our work and classification levels. But in Fast Labs, we are always working on the future state. No matter what the future threats are, we will continue to focus on solving the hardest problems to benefit the warfighter. If you're interested in more information about Fast Labs, you can connect with us on our website at basystems.com slash fastlabs. Well, thank you, Bill, for joining me here on From the Crow's Nest. And now it's time to get back to our show. Now, you, you talk about the, the cross-cutting um, aspect of EMS operations. One of the core components of the strategy that came out, and it's kind of the, the hallmark of it uh, that a lot of people spend time thinking about and discussing, was this idea that the EMS is a maneuver space. Could you talk a little bit about what does that mean and how does that reflect where we've come in our understanding about the importance of the EMS and all those related capabilities? Because that was a huge uh, determination really to kind of identify that clearly it is a maneuver space. Could, could you tell us a little bit more about that, that thought process? Yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned, it's a key aspect of the strategy. The strategy recognizes that, that EMS is a, a, a critical battle space in its own right. Uh, EMS as a maneuver space means that, that we will control the EMS with agility and resilience in the most congested and contested EMS environments. That's what the goal of the strategy is. It also means that we have freedom of action in the EMS at the time, place, and parameters of our choosing, uh, which is the vision of the strategy, and that we're able to deny that to our adversaries uh, in a conflict. So the superiority strategy had five strategic goals outlined in, in, in the document. Could you walk us through those strategic goals and any particular points of emphasis that is that's really garnering the close attention of DOD and the services? What What are some of the most important pieces of those strategic goals that uh, you know keep you up at night think, thinking about how we implement them effectively? So as you mentioned, there's five uh, department-wide goals in the EMS superiority strategy. Uh, there are 18 sub-objectives within, uh, within those, those goals. The first goal is developing superior EMS capabilities. And, and that's things like uh, technologies to enable system capabilities and survivability in the EMS, a- adapting commercial technologies, building a, a a robust electromagnetic battle management system, uh, fielding disruptive EMS capabilities. That's what uh, goal one uh, focuses on. The second goal is evolving to a, a full, an agile, fully integrated EMS infrastructure. And that involves accelerating EMS information integration into operations and planning at the combatant commands, uh, dedicated intelligence in the EM, for EMS superiority, um, establishing and managing uh, architectures and standards, modernizing EMS infrastructure for testing, training, and analysis, uh, so that's what the goal two uh, really focuses on. Goal number three is pursuing total force EMS readiness. And that involves training and sustaining EMS expertise across the department, um, incorporating EMS concepts and doctrine into formal education, evaluating and tracking EMS readiness. Those are the, the real uh, focus areas for goal number three. And goal number four is uh, securing enduring partnerships for EMS advantage. And that involves uh, increasing our leadership in international forum 
enhancing access, interoperability, and capacity with uh, allies and partners in EMS, and also increasing our leadership in domestic processes related to the electromagnetic spectrum. And then finally, uh, goal five is establishing effective EMS governance. And that really focuses on unifying our department-wide EMS enterprise activities and promoting policies that support DOD EMS uh, capabilities. So, so the strategy, uh, of course, you know, it does not live in a vacuum, and there, there's a lot of other strategies out there. It's really kind of more or less a, a, a node in a much broader network of, of DoD transformation that is kind of pointing the, the the department into what it wants to look like in 2030, based on emerging threats and just kind of global security issues. How, how does the the superiority strategy then fit into this broader vision of DoD in the future, looking at 2030? From a big picture, the, the strategy looks at forces in 2030 and beyond uh, and their ability to, to be ready to fight and win through the deliberate institutional pursuit of EMS superiority. Uh, this was true in the previous national defense strategy and remains important for future national defense strategies. You know, winning on today's battlefield requires the joint force to achieve EMS superiority, no matter where we are in the world. In today's era of strategic com- uh, competitors, the safety and success of our forces re- really require uh, high-end capabilities that can, can survive in a congested and contested and constrained electromagnetic operating environment. So, so uh, back in December, I believe it was, uh, GAO released a report um, on basically the ineffectiveness of DOD implementing past strategies uh, related to EW. And they, they were uh, testified at a hearing uh, before the uh, House Armed Services Committee back in the spring. They pointed out a lot of points, uh, shall we say, failure from DOD of really effectively implementing the strategies. Um, and and one of the goals of the electromagnetic spectrum superiority strategy is to take those previous strategies that were really not realized and, and fully implement it, put them and, and, and kind of update them and combine them into this broader superiority strategy. So taking into account GAO's recommendations and kind of their analysis of past efforts, uh, what makes this different? I mean, how are we in a better position today to actually fully implement the strategy? And really, who's going to be responsible for making sure that this this actually does succeed this time? Sure, that, that's a great question, uh, Ken. First, I'll just talk a little bit about the, the GAO recommendations, and then I'll, I'll dive into that last point that you had. So the, the GAO report that came out in December, um, some of your, re- your listeners um, may have read that. Uh, it had five recommendations, uh, and so we read that report, thought it was you know good analysis. We reviewed it, uh, and we used that information in crafting the I plan and ensuring that we address those outstanding issues that the GAO identified. And all five of the recommendations were addressed in the I plan, and all of them are cl- are complete except for one of them. Of those recommendations, we identified the processes and procedures that were were requested or, or identified that was needed. We reformed government structures in the I plan. We uh, assigned leadership for strategy implementation. That's the one that's not quite completed yet, but uh, but should be completed by the fall. And that's with the transition of oversight authority to the CIO, which will, as I, as I said earlier, happen this fall. Uh, the fourth uh, recommendation the GAO was to issue the I plan itself, which we did in July, and then finally to develop an oversight processes, which uh, that was part and parcel of the development of the implementation plan, that oversight process. And that kind of leads me into that. Your last point was how do we know we're in a better place? It wasn't just an implementation plan with tasks for individual agencies around the department. It was also the oversight processes, and that oversight processes 
that were identified in the iPlan had a number of features. One of them acknowledges the fact that this needs to be a living document. The EMS is a dynamic, changing place that we need to be, we need to be able to adapt to, not just because our adversaries are, are quickly adapting in this space, but because technology in this in this space is quickly adapting. So we need a document that's going to be able to do that. So that's what that that's the first thing I'll mention. The second thing is is that the oversight it gives a high level individual, a four star level individual, an oversight role. Initially, the vice chairman, and uh, and as I mentioned, uh, will be transitioned to the to the DoD CIO in, in the fall. Uh, it gives a high level individual that uh, that that person is the ultimate responsibility for making this happen, and. Finally, it requires that individual to give the SECDEF a quarterly update on progress. And, and those three things combined, I think, will, will, it ensures that we're in a better place because it, it provides that, uh, that oversight of, of, the, uh, of the process and it, it won't allow for it to, to languish in, but requires the, the regular high-level visibility. Now, I, I've said on the show numerous times, listeners may be tired of me even saying it, but um, you know, I've always said that you know, the EMS is really the backbone of everything we want to do from a joint force perspective uh, in operations. You need to have that access to the spectrum at the time, place, and for the duration that you need. So you need that superiority. If you don't have it, you can't do anything. At least you can't do anything effectively. And so it's in our view it's like it's just absolutely so important that we get this right and yet there's still a lot of discussion i mean there's not the the MSO community is very diverse in terms of how we think about these problems so as you're starting to talk about this more and getting out into our community i know that you just spoke at a AOC conference a month ago or so what are some of the things that you're hearing in terms of the from the MSO community what are some of the things that you know, we are unified on? And what are some of the misconceptions that, you know, like, yeah, as a community, we have to kind of figure out because we have to be all on the same page moving forward. Not just the CFT, not just CIO, not just uh, US Stratcom, industry, academia, associations, we all have to be on the same page. What are some of the misconceptions we have to work on still from your perspective to make sure that we are, our message is clear that, hey, EMS superiority is critical. We've got to do it to succeed in, in, in future uh, operations. Yeah, thanks for that, qu- that question, Ken. As you, as you say, you know, we must get, we've got it, we have to get this right. It's a critical enabler for, uh, for the joint force and uh, for our capabilities at large. I'd say, you know, the, the forums like this where we're getting the message out uh, to everyone on, on the importance of this, of this uh, strategy and implementation plan. Uh, we are doing uh, due diligence within the department to ensure that these, these tasks are, are being taken seriously by all of the stakeholders uh, and uh, OPRs. Um, we are ensuring the regular review is taking place. Uh, we are just uh, now completing the first 90-day assessment period of the uh, the execution of the implementation plan, and so uh, and so we'll be evaluating that uh, with CIO on uh, the progress that's been made of uh, all the tasks within the plan, and and getting the word out uh, to the community. Uh, as one example, um, Brigadier Joe Anthony and I, she's the the lead over at Stratcom, 
Uh, we are uh, visiting each of the combatant commands, so we, we're taking this message on the road to ensure that uh, each of the combatant commands are informed of what's, uh, what's the latest happening. So those are some of the things that we're doing, and uh, hopefully that will bring in the, the broader community, like you say, and uh, ensure everybody's rowing in, in the same direction. And you mentioned, you know, getting out into the community. One one of the things that seems to be a, a continual issue that we need to address is, you know, the, the, this question of do we have enough people and enough of the right people to be able to successfully implement the strategy, the I plan. Where are we on the the, the workforce issue? I mean, do what do we need to do to get the right people and and both in terms of quality and quantity out there because there. In many cases, there's just a dearth of people who really understand this issue. And so, therefore, we don't have the expertise always in the right places, in the right numbers to uh, be able to aggressively pursue some of the change we need to. So could you talk a little bit about the workforce angle and and, and what the I-Plan or what the strategy says about DOD's effort to address this gap? So the DOD's greatest asset in this, in this fight for EMS superiority is the workforce. The CFT recently uh, completed an EMS workforce study uh, in August to better understand DOD's current EMS enterprise workforce, you know, what, who is out there in this area. And the study found challenges in accountability, strategy, traceability, education and training, credentialing, and adaptability for the EMS workforce issues. To address these challenges, the study developed an EMS uh, competency model to establish a joint standard for EMS proficiency and inform a joint standard for EMS learning and EMS operating model to inform the, govern, the workforce fo- governance functions capability requirements. So we're working with, uh, with the various stakeholders within DOD to address those, those challenges that were identified for the workforce. Great. Uh, so we have time for a couple more questions here. So just to kind of to wrap up the discussion, and could you tell us a little bit about, so you're going to be the, uh, you're going to chair a session at our upcoming convention here. The, the session is actually going to take place on, uh, I believe, Wednesday, December 1st. And it's basically about the strategy and the I plan. Could you tell us a little bit about that session and, and what is the message that you want to get across to attendees? Sure. I'm looking forward to the, the AO, AOC uh, symposium in December. Um, I'm going to be moderating a, a breakout session on implementing the EMS superiority strategies implementation plan for the future fight. Uh, we'll have Brigadier General Anthony from US STRATCOM, uh, Ms. Vernita, Vernita Harris from, from DOD CIO and Mr. Dave Tremper from the Undersecretary for Acquisition and Sustainment on the panel. And we're going to discuss the department's efforts uh, with the strategy and the implementation plan uh, and our next steps. Great. And, and so, you know, one of the, the reasons why we get together as a convention is to bring all the stakeholders together basically in one place. And and obviously, you know, the, the, the implementation plan says, here's what DOD needs to do. But outside of DOD, you have AOC, you have industry, you have academia, you have other defense-related organizations, and you need their help, I'm sure, as well to for successful implementation. So what are some of the things that the EMSA community outside of DOD can do to help you uh, moving forward? Uh, we would love for there to be more support from, you know, from think tanks, from media, in advancing the, mes- the message that DOD is prioritizing EMS superiority and taking clear steps to drive those those structural and cultural changes in DOD uh, to get this right. You know, I talked a little bit about uh, about those those aspects earlier. We welcome industry's views and solutions uh, to EMS challenges and greater information sharing and collaboration to get this right for, for our, our warfighters. Uh, EMS workforce challenges are real, and we would welcome greater collaboration with universities 
uh, and other educational institutions to make EMS issues appealing to attract top talent and build a stronger and agile uh, EMS workforce to support the EMS missions for the department. Thank you, uh, General Lola, for joining me today on From the Crow's Desk. I greatly appreciate your time, and I certainly look forward to your session and uh, look forward to to continuing to talk with you on on this important issue. So, uh, again, thanks for joining me on the show today. Absolutely, and thanks for having me, Ken. It's been a pleasure. Well, that will do it for this episode of From the Crow's Nest. I want to thank my guest, Brigadier General Darren Lala. To learn more about the Association of Old Crows and our upcoming annual trade show, please visit our website at crows.org. Thank you for listening. Fast Labs, powered by BAE Systems, is at the forefront of advanced technology and defense research, development, and production. They're pushing boundaries, breaking barriers, and innovating for a safer world. Check them out at www.baesystems.com/fastlabs.